well. All right, well, I'll just, uh, I'll intro it. And then, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really have a, uh, like a set time limit or anything like that. So, you know, whenever the conversation ends, the conversation ends and I'll just kind of edit an outro and all that stuff. So, okay. Um, I definitely need to end by 12, but, um, any, you know, I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. Yeah. No worries. That's plenty. Yeah. I'm bummed out. I can't see you. Um, okay. Well, uh, I want to welcome Shanna Moore to the first episode of the Inspire, Motivate, Grow podcast. Thank you for being with me today, Shanna. So happy to be here. Um, for those of you who don't know Shanna, she is a people enthusiast. She's a motivational speaker, podcast host, life coach, and she's a feverish believer that life is not supposed to suck. That's so, right. So Shanna, can you give us a little background on yourself and just like kind of like what you're doing these days? Absolutely. Um, I am a former high school teacher turned columnist, turned event planner, <laughs> turned uh, motivational speaker and coach. Uh, coaching is something I've always wanted to do, but was a bit chicken to take the leap. And I did so about five years ago. And it is the most gratifying work that I've ever found. Um, I think I'm just a person who is hungry for hope and hungry to see hope in others. And it's kind of a, something that I feed off when I watch my clients take steps towards their fulfillment. It is, I absolutely feel like a rub off effect of that that makes me feel excited and hopeful for myself as well. For sure. Um, one thing I want to like really hop into is like one thing that you said right there was you took the leap five years ago. Um, one thing that I think is so valuable for people is just like that, that pot or that space in between like an idea, like what, like maybe some inspiration or motivation to do something. And then that actual action to to move forward with that interest or that passion. So what, like, what took you from idea to, I have to do this? Was it, you know, was it something in life where you were like, you know, is this it? Like, what was it that really took you from an idea maybe, you know, to I'm going to do this? So I have a very specific story about that. So I, I'm, I'm glad you asked. So I was working um, at a school, a, a private school in the Bay Area here, um, giving one-on-one uh, -on -one Spanish lessons to students. And these, the, it was such an exclusive one-on-one -on -one situation that they charge $40,000 a year for these families, for these kids to go to school. And of course that was all really done on the teacher's backs. The teachers were really grossly underpaid for what, what the profit margin was there. And we were in these tiny little offices with no windows and we'd see student after student uh, between nine and five, no time for prep work, um, no time for daylight. It just, it was just kind of a, it was a grind and a half. And I remember coming home from work at night so depleted and, and frankly resentful that I remember the day I just said, like, is this really all there is? And that was the, the moment, like I, like I said, I don't believe that life is supposed to suck. And when you get into those moments that really suck, you have to fight your way out to do something that 
won't suck and hopefully is way even better than that. So that was the minute where I decided, okay, you, I had already gotten my certification for coaching, but I was a bit shy about kind of hanging my name on a door to, to get people to come. And so that was the minute where I just got vulnerable. And frankly, I put it out on social media. I said, Hey, I'm, I'm 50 years old. I have a dream. It is to make my living as a coach to inspire people and give them um, help to find the steps towards their own growth. Um, if I don't do this now, when on earth am I going to do it? And um, by putting it out there and being vulnerable about it, wouldn't you know that the timing ended up being so perfect that a friend of, well, it was a Facebook friend of mine, but not a real friend at the time, like an in-person friend, um, said, get out of town. I'm actively looking to hire a coach at my marriage and family therapy practice. You want to come in and talk to us. So, so if I hadn't had that really low moment, and I hadn't had the comfort with being vulnerable about what I wanted to do, um, I don't think I would have had the timing to find this place that I have, have grown to love uh, since then. That's awesome. Um, one thing I, I like what you said there, which, well, first of all, that the posts on social media, that's super inspiring. Um, I think that vulnerability is something that is hard for a lot of people in today's day and age. I mean, you see social media with, you know, people posting things about their lives and, um, you know, and all these great things, but um, being vulnerable is just so, so authentic. Um, so when you said that you were like super depleted and almost resentful, um, something I want to talk about too is you're not, I mean, at this time you're raising a family as well, right? Actually, that there was a bit of a luxury at that, right? Because I didn't have young kids anymore. I mean, we were helping uh, one child, I think, still with college um, at the time. So my kids were grown. The time aspect of it wasn't going to be a problem for me. Mm -hmm. It was really, um, you know, the the secure income stream versus the the risky one. And and I I, I have to say that it, it it is a privilege to be able to pursue the risky one, both for the timing of my life and the fact that my husband is a you know tech worker that allowed for me to have a little bit ease in doing that. Yeah. So um, in that risk, like, where do you feel like the risk outweighs? Um, like not pursuing that, that passion or that dream. Um, I know that a lot of times, you know, we can tie in finances and stuff like that, but um, like, do you feel like there's like a point, like maybe psychologically when, when risk just outweighs um, comfortability? Yeah, I, I do. And, you know, I think that's different for different people, but I, 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 my husband once quoted someone and I wish I could remember the name of the very old and and parted author who said, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. And I mean, pardon my French, but I'm like, fuck that. I, I am not, not about leading a life of quiet desperation. Now I realize like life is not always easy breezy. Hello, 2020, if that hasn't taught us that, but I will be damned if it, if I, if I'm going to allow 
the, the bad to outweigh the good. I'm going to fight for it. I am absolutely not going to let life suck. And so, so there are going to be some tough choices with that. Um, and I really like, I don't know if you follow Gary V, but I just love his message about the hustle. I, you know, if I were younger and had come to that crossroads where like, I cannot do this anymore, I would be listening to Gary Vee every day about, listen, get your side hustle game going strong. Do what you need to do. You have to meet your basic needs and your family's basic needs. You need to provide food and shelter for people. I get that. That comes first. But that doesn't mean if you're, if you're hungry enough for it, there are other hours of the day that you can use to build your next chapter, to get it going in motion so that it's not just such a risk anymore, right? You're building something on the side while you're sustaining the basic needs. And then you slowly transition away from the safe job to the quote risky job because it's no longer so risky. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I feel like that is almost my life to a T, you know, um, you know, with this podcast and everything, um, work outside of this has been somewhat unfulfilling. So, you know, I have three kids and, you know, a wife and dogs and family and, you know, it's hard to find time, but I love connecting with people like yourself. So I make sure that, I mean, when the kids go to bed, I spend some time on it. So I definitely can, uh, relate to what you're talking about. Um, and that's just a really quick question for you. I know that you're a life coach and you coach both men and women. I don't know the diversity or the percentage of men to women that you coach, but do you feel like men, like the men that you do coach compared to the women have that quiet desperation or like, how do you, I don't know if that's a good, good way to phrase it, but. Well, I'm, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because when I first started coaching, the, the easiest way, the easiest people to relate to were people like me, women who had primarily been um, mothers, but also had work that wasn't always full-time and not always meaningful. But I, I, I related to the woman who was going to be an empty nester. And that's who I thought all my clients would be like, okay, ladies, let's find our next chapter. Let's make this you know, just as purposeful and meaningful as it was to raise families. The interesting thing for me is most of my clients are young men and I never saw that coming. And what I think our society has done such a huge disservice to men to, you know, many are raised with the suck it up mentality that you're, you, you know, if you suffered, then deal with it. And what I've found is that in the coaching environment, a lot of men are opening up and, you know, go figure. We're all humans. We have the same desires and emotions in our lives, but not all of us are encouraged to let it out. So what happens when you don't let it out, when you don't talk about it, you end up doing what my, uh, one of my gurus is Glennon Doyle. She says, we hit the easy button. And so we numb out, right? We numb out through social media, through drinking, drugs, inappropriate sexual relationships, uh, gambling. We, we tap out and numb those feelings with something that is not healthy for us instead of doing what we need to do, which is to get it out in a productive way and have a conversation and build our path to something better. Yeah. So, so, what you're basically talking about is almost like balancing out the feminine and the masculine side, right? For men. Absolutely. And, and, and I, you know, I've been married for 28 years and I look at my partnership with my husband and 
I look at my parents' dynamic and, you know, much more of an old school dynamic. And I, I see so much in the older women in my life that there is a lot of resentment of being the, the nurturer all the time and the supporter of what the man wants. And it doesn't feel equal and it isn't sustainable, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it goes both ways. If the man is the provider and the woman is home and there can be different ideas about who's really working there. It, it just, resentment is just quietly building. We all do better if we feel more like a team with our partner and whether it's, you call it feminine or masculine. I, you know, I, in my house, I, it's just like being part of a team. What does the team need from me right now? Yeah. I like that a lot. We try to do a lot of, that's one thing I try to teach, you know, my stepson is just that his responsibilities, I know this is kind of off subject, but team oriented is just like his responsibilities are part of the bigger, the bigger mission of the team, just yeah. to bring importance there. But yeah, you want to kind of sidetrack. I know that there's some uh, subjects that you like to talk about. Uh, one being silicon. Can yes. you explain to the listeners like what that is? Well, I just got a surge of goosebumps because this is probably the thing that I'm the most passionate about. Ooh, like almost got emotional there too. I'm going to try to rein that in. I talk to a lot of people either in my coaching practice or just with friends and family members and people are hurting in Silicon Valley. And I know it is, it really is in any urban setting. It's not just in Silicon Valley, but I see people just hustling so hard to pay their housing payment and you know, make a name for themselves and be quote, successful in the traditional sense of the word. But what I'm so passionate about is letting people know that they need to redefine what success means to them because there are some key parts of yourself that you're leaving behind if you're only focusing on your work. So my message is silicon, your antidote to the Silicon Valley grind is it's about a practice of balance and setting important boundaries and being brave towards personal growth. So I love to bring that into conversation anytime I can, because I see like a lot of us worked in, in careers that had unions attached to them. Like I was a teacher and we have people fighting for our rights, but nobody is going to fight for our wellness. We have to fight for that for ourselves. And in this corporate climate, I am absolutely blown away how this message of silicon i was saying before COVID even hit and here we are now in 2020 and i remember when the stay-at-home orders first started and my husband again who works in tech was going to be working from home and i thought oh thank god at least the man is going to get two hours of his life back from his commute yeah. During that time, he can get more regular workouts. He can pursue his hobbies a little bit more so he has joy. We can connect in a lighthearted way, not when he's just so burdened by everything being asked of him. And lo and behold, what happens? It's worse than it ever has been. My husband, yet two days ago, was on a call at 7 a.m. and he was on another, I mean, all the live long day until 9.45 p.m. in a chair in a little office with no other time or energy to take care of himself. And that's what we've come to. I read a statistic that tech workers are now working 48 more minutes per day during COVID. I think that was early COVID. I am quite sure that it's more than that. Mm 
And I'm angry at the leadership that's not seeing what you're doing to these humans. Yes, they need to pay their, their bills, but by God, they also need to take care of their health. They need to tend to their relationships. They need to have joy because if you don't tend to your relationships, the end result is loneliness. It's going to come to you if you don't tend to your people because your people will go somewhere else to find that connection. If you don't take care of your body, you're going to wake up one day and have cholesterol issues, a heart attack, diabetes, whatever the physical ailment, a, a back that goes out because it sat in a chair too many hours. If you don't experience joy, you're going to end up being really resentful, sad, maybe even fully blown depressed. But all of those things will happen if they are left untended to too long. But what is a person to do when the demands on them are so great that they don't have any time for that? It is very upsetting to me. And I, am, I fight with, for anyone to hear me. Like, please make it your mission that your wellness is in your hands. You cannot depend on your leadership to do that for you. Because they may, you know, before COVID days, they'd throw you a nutritious meal and a gym at the office. But nobody's doing that now. Nobody's making sure you have time for your family. Nobody's making sure that you have something that makes you smile in your life. Nobody but you. And so what are you going to do in your planning for the next week that's going to make sure you hit all of those things to the extent that you can get away with? That's my passion. Sorry, got a little fired up. <laughs> no, no, that's totally fine. I love it. I wrote down a couple of things just to kind of retract back on. Um, I think one of the things you said was like, find out what success means to you. Like, what does success mean to you? Oh, a hundred, liking my life. And so in order to like my life in my world, I have to have, be, have all of those things tended to in, in a forward trajectory. I need to have some sort of learning that's making me excited, like feeling mentally stimulated. You know, a lot of times, like when I was a teacher and raising small children, I remember when they wanted us to do continuing ed or, um, People are saying, oh, what should we do for planning for next week? And I would, it would be so easy to just look at last year's planner and just do it all again. What I was doing, though, was making myself very bored in my work. No matter what your work is, I think you need to keep learning so that you keep yourself interested. It's not about the results. It's about how your mind is in this game of life. And if you're tapped out with your, your career, then learn something outside of it. But whatever you do, you need to serve your brain. You need to make it hungry for something, something that is interesting to it. So I always need to have something new to learn. I have to get as many workouts and new, good nutrition and good sleep as I can. So I always have a mindfulness about what I'm doing to my physical self. I always have an eye out on who do I claim to love and can they, do they even know it? Am I using my words, my time, my energy to make a connection with those people, even if it has to be distanced right now? Do the people I love know it, feel it for reals? And the last thing is, what do I need to do that's going to serve my spirit? I do not want to be that old Clint Eastwood character standing on his front lawn with a shotgun saying, get off my lawn. Well, that guy didn't become a total ass overnight. He just slowly depleted his spirit and ended up like that. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be someone who 
when you, when you encounter me, you walk away with like, oh my God, that was awesome. I don't want people to go, oh shit, here she comes, right? Like get, oh, she's going to dump some toxic stuff on me. I don't want that. I want to be a source of light to people. Like, so in order to do that, I have to take care of myself, my brain, my body, my heart, my spirit. So what do you think like someone that's like in a rut right now, uh, maybe not enjoying their career, um, possibly out of shape. Um, what could they do? Like what's one actionable step that they could do today or tomorrow, um, that could get them started on that, you know, that yeah. excitement, that growth pattern. Well, I, what I would like, what, what really helps is to have that conversation with the person to find out like what is a realistic workout for them based on where they are today. That's sort of what the coaching thing is about is to, to really have a conversation about the, the person to know them. So it'd be hard to like set a goal for someone anonymous, but right. I would want it to be the smallest step forward. Like if you're currently getting zero workouts, then I would say, let's, will you commit to doing one workout this next week? And we're going to keep building from there. So it, what's the most tolerable workout for you? Is it lifting some weights? Is it going for a walk? Is it going for a run or a swim? Like, what is it that is realistic to where, where you are now? Where you, like if someone, if I'm working with a client and say, they're all, yes, I'm on board. I'm going to work out six days next week. I'm going to take my wife on a date, my kids one-on-one -on -one time. I'm, and, and they're doing none of that currently. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't let's not set ourselves up to be overwhelmed and therefore disappointed. Like let's be realistic about where you are and let's take one step forward and see how it feels. So that's really important. Important to me is to like chunk it out really small. If it's like, Oh, I'm eating zero fruits and vegetables. Okay. Like let's put that as a goal. Like eat one salad this week. I'm serious. That small of a goal. It just depends on where the person is and where they want to go and, 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 and what's a realistic timeline for it. Yeah, that's a, that's good stuff. Um, one more so, thing. One more thing. Um, I, I always laugh when I say this because, you know, when you think of the real housewives TV franchise, you, it's, seems a miracle to want to quote any one of those ladies because it's really kind of a hot mess brigade over there. But mm -hmm. there is one housewife who I quote all the time and her name is Teddy Mellencamp and she's an accountability coach. And what she says is when my clients tell me on a Monday that they don't have time to work out, I get so frustrated because guess when the only time anything that matters ever gets done? It's when you actually put it on your calendar and I thought about that. I'm like, ah, right. Well, the things I put on my calendar are things like my call with you today, a doctor's appointment, any client um, scheduling, the things that must happen today. Well, if you mean business about making a change, then that one workout that you're going to try to get in that you haven't been getting in better dang well be on that calendar too. Otherwise, what you're telling yourself is that it's optional. So if you're going to have if you're taking this life balance seriously, I would have not just your work things on your calendar, I'd have your workouts, I'd have your grocery shopping so you could avoid eating maybe some, so many meals out. I would have your bedtime on there. If one of your issues is that you get, don't get enough sleep, like go to bed get on your phone, 10 PM, like actually put it there like you mean it. Um, schedule the time that you're going to reach out to an old friend and call them or text them. Um, a time that you're going to 
give your spouse a break and let them go get some fresh air or workout or whatever they need. Like three to 4 p.m., give my wife a break if, if that's applicable. You know what I mean? Um, for your joy, if it's a soak in the tub, if it's a walk in the park, if it's reading for pleasure, literally put that on your calendar because that's when you're telling yourself that it is a real priority and not just a yeah, maybe kind of thing. Yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you spoke on that. Um, one of the things that I wrote down right here was accountability. I was going to ask you through coaching, what you've seen is the best way that people hold themselves accountable if it's through, you know, a partner or just like you're saying, a calendar. So I think that's really good. That's really good knowledge for people to, to know. And I know there's a bunch of books out there that talk about how important calendars are and being intentional about like your goals and stuff like that. So yeah. And if you get the habit going enough, you can eventually not put that stuff on your calendar. Like I, I exercise, I, it, I'd say every day, but maybe once, maybe once a week, something comes up, but I work out six days a week and recently discovered through some blood work that I needed to up my workouts. And so I've been working out harder than I have in years, the last three or four months. And I just feel so much better. And um, now I don't need to put that on my calendar because it's such a, the benefits are so great to me that I wouldn't miss it. I now, it, that's what happens once it's sustained for long enough that it's the new you, you don't even need to calendar it anymore. But when you're starting out for sure, put it on the calendar, heck, print it out and tape it to a cupboard. So you have to look at it every day. Like, oh yeah, I said I was working out. I need to do that. Yeah, definitely. And I think that another thing that's crazy and um, I can relate to you hundred um, percent. I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I had like a really bad migraine and it was after I'd eaten like tons of processed food. You know, we got kids, we got snacks, blah, blah, blah. But um, I decided I was like, okay, I got to go to the gym. I got to start this up again. I've been every day for the last like three weeks. I've lost weight. I've cut out sugar and I feel so much happier Yes. And just so much more fresh and light. Um, and, and you know, what's crazy is I've heard, I I heard this, I think on a Joe Rogan podcast, but, um, like when you eat healthier and you work out, you actually have more, um, like creative thoughts. You actually will think more creatively than you would if you're eating bad and not working out. Yes, absolutely. When those endorphins are released, so many good things happen. And um, yeah, I I mean, I, I, I shudder at the thought of who I'd be if I didn't do that. It really, I mean, there are some key things that I, um, I believe keep me in the, I call it in the light instead of in the darkness. And one of those for sure is exercise. And the other, my, one of my other gurus is Brene Brown. And I know you've heard me talk about her before. One of the best things I got from her was there is such a great difference between an attitude of gratitude and a gratitude practice. She said, I liken it to how I feel about yoga. I have the yoga pants. I have the yoga mat. I have the yoga DVD, but because I don't practice the yoga, I don't have the yoga body or the yoga mindset. Gratitude is the same way. If someone says, hey, Shanna, what are you grateful for? And I could come up with a few things off the top of my head when prompted. The difference is when you're practicing gratitude, every single day you hold yourself accountable 
to recognize what's going right, who's showing up for you, um, so that your eye then becomes trained. The way it changes your life is the next day, you know you're going to hold yourself accountable for that gratitude list. So you're going to be looking for the good in your day so that you have something to report to yourself for your gratitude practice. Unfortunately, if you don't consciously make that decision to practice gratitude and therefore look for things to be grateful for every day, for whatever reason, we messed up humans have the, the habit of always thinking about what we didn't get done, who pissed us off, you know, who didn't show up, and we think of all the bad things instead of all the good things. What transforms your life is to counter, of course, we, we're going to recognize the stuff that's difficult, duh, like you can't deny it. But you sure as heck better counter it with a list of things that are all going well for you. Because if you can't do that, no matter how awesome your life is, you're never going to be satisfied. You're always going to be on the quest for more, more, more. When if you look at it, there's so much that's already worth celebrating right there. Definitely. I think that can tie into like Wayne Dyer has a book um, or Dr. Wayne Dyer, sorry. Um, he has a book called change your thoughts, change your life. And I think that kind of just ties into almost like the law of attraction. Um, you know, what you constantly think about, you're going to attract. If you're thinking right. all this negative stuff, you're, it's going to bring negative into your life. If you're thinking positive and you believe that positive, that positivity will, will fill your life. Absolutely. Um, and attract the people that you want to be brought to you, right? It, the right energy, the right people stick around when you present that. For sure. Yeah. And that's something that I've been doing. Um, like I said, after that whole migraine thing, I was like, okay, I got to do health. I got to get my mindset right and start manifesting some positivity or more positivity in my life. I'm a pretty positive guy anyways. But um, so yeah, every morning now um, when I get up, I try to, there's a really good book called the, the Miracle Morning. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but no. it's by Hal Elrod it's a life-changing book at least for me it was it was it's amazing um and he just talks about some simple steps that you can do to make your morning start off on a really good foot and I've tried to kind of implement that in my life and including gratitude and it's oh my gosh it's helped so much so um so I love what you're talking about um and you know what? There's one more thing. Like, so exercise and gratitude practice are two of the things that I think keep me in the light. And the third one um, is a, a having very conscious boundaries. Now, I know your generation has been exposed to the concept of boundaries. When I I did, I think I was 50 before I thought of a boundary as something more than like a physical fence. I didn't think of it as like something that you would do to protect your own well-being, right? Based mm -hmm. on who and what you surround yourself with, and I, I think in 2020, more than before, when I still used to say it, is that we have to be super, super mindful of who and what gets access to us, right? Because it's so easy to be passive about that. And then you end up with your day just feeling so heavy. And um, the people I know it can be hard. You have like a history of a relationship with somebody and you feel like it'd be ruthless to cut them out of your life. And so I acknowledge that, but I also recognize that we have a sliding scale of free time in a day 
Um, and we can be very purposeful about how much time and access that the kind of more toxic people can get to us, if any. Uh, so I think we have to be super aware of who our company is because they greatly impact our emotional wellness. And I also think that we need to be mindful of the content we consume. Um, I don't follow any influencers who are out there like doing the, you know, hey, look at how awesome my life is stuff with all the kind of bragging. I have no time for that. Like I want to see people on the quest for, for happiness, like for how, how to live a life that is, is centered and meaningful and connected. And all of those are the kinds of people I follow. I really, I, I'm a very sensitive person. So when you throw in all the political horrors of this year and COVID and all the fears that are surrounded with that. It's like, okay, so I'm going to consume current events because I have to know what's going on, but I definitely don't need to watch like shows that are like, I don't know about you, but I watched Goliath, which was a, um, Oh, Billy Bob Thornton show, I think on Netflix. And the first season was like, exciting and a little bit scary, but not so dark. But I watched season two and, and I feel like I'm scarred for life. I'm like, no, this hmm. is my boundary. I cannot take in any more drug cartels. <laughs> I cannot take in people being dismembered in violent ways. Like I, I won't do it. Like I've already, current events are heavy enough. Adult responsibilities are heavy enough. I am not going to then entertain myself with the scariest stuff that, that somebody thought up and then try to go to bed at night and go, gosh, what a great day. You know, no, it's not a great day. So I'm very purposeful about the podcasts, the books, the television that I watch because I'm trying to protect that light that I'm trying to hold on to, which it feels like in 2020, somebody's trying to snuff out, but I'm not going to let it. Yeah, no, I think that uh, that's good stuff. I mean, it, it's kind of like the saying, you are what you eat. Yes. I think, I think that we we kind of just zone in like with food, but really it's you are what you consume in all facets of your life. Yes. Uh, music, yes, yes, yes. television, food, um, all you of know, it. the people that you hang out with. It's kind of like, you know, the whole saying, you are the average of the five people you hang out with the most. I mean, if you're hanging out with people that are, you know, that don't want to see you succeed or, you know, just, I mean, a perfect example is like, you know, some older fashion parents, maybe closed minded have a view of what they want their kids to be like or pursue in life. Whereas their kid might want to pursue something different. Um, maybe something off script to the cultural norm. Yes. Um, and it can be very, um, almost like dragging, um, you know, hanging out, hang, hanging out with those type of people, even though you love them so much, you know? So, um, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing there is just really protecting your vibe, your vibration. Yes. Um, and yeah. really like something that you mentioned was like being brave towards personal growth. Uh, yeah. now I when I'm trying to learn something new or do something that I've never done before, like for me, the, the, the most recent thing I did was write a, um, a screenplay with my best friend since middle school. And we had to learn how to format it, how to pitch it, you know, and have the idea. It was a creative outlet and it was a personal growth outlet. 
now. Will you ever see that uh, movie on in on the big screen or even on Netflix? Chances are probably slim, but damn, that was so fun. It was so hmm. exciting to learn something new, and it was so fun creatively. And you know, you know, um, I love to get a twofer, right? So not only was I doing something that brought me joy um, by doing something creative, but I was also really connecting with an, a friend who doesn't live near me anymore, but it, gave, it made us talk more often than we usually do and, and work on this together. So it was a complete twofer. Um, and it was a personal growth thing too, honestly. So it was a joy, it was a connection, and it was a personal growth. It was such a, such a win. Um, and the time before that, it was preparing for my very first and only TEDx talk was scary as anything to think of getting up on that stage in front of a couple hundred people and saying my message of, of the importance of growth and connection. And I, I did it anyway. And that was so stimulating. It felt so good to stretch myself. For sure. They say, I think I've heard a quote where it says, if it scares you, it's, it's basically like, if it's, if it, if it scares you, you should do it. Right. Um, and I think, Unless it might kill you. <laughs> that yeah, might <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, so another thing that I saw on, I think it's your website, it's Shanna McLean Moore. Is that, did I say that right? Dot com? Uh-huh. Shanna McLean Moore was um, getting grind proof. Is that all tied into to the silicon? Yes, it is. It's, um, it is. It is the same message. It is a, still about the, the balance, the boundaries, the bravery, and the grat gratitude practice. It's all tied back into that. It's like, because my thinking is like, the, we can't control as, as workers, unless we're, we've got a CEO listening in, um, we don't really have control over our, our work life. It yeah. kind of is dictated by our manager, supervisor. So to get so that the grind can't get you, you're going to have to do something very, um, you're going to have to take that in a way that isn't passive, right? You have to actively plan for it. And, and, and that's in the same way we've talked about with like the weekly plan for balance. Gotcha. And then um, you did mention, um, you know, getting, doing something that excites you, like yeah. getting excited maybe for personal growth. What's something that is exciting you right now? Well, right now, the thing that is exciting me most, I have actually two things. Number one is I'm giving a two-hour workshop to the nursing association associated with Valley Med, um, Valley Medical here in, in South San Jose. And so uh, that's kind of the longer workshop for me. So I'm a little bit excited and nervous about how that will go because it'll be interactive and there'll be a couple hundred people on the call on the video. So I'm a little nervous about that, but in a good way. And then the second way is it's still related to that screenplay as we've gone through rewrites and now we're focusing on where to pitch it. And, and so that's the thing that's got my mind excited. And if anybody's, so is that, that's specific to Valley Med, right? Yes. Yeah. Is there going to be anything recorded there where like maybe some listeners could find out more about like what you're doing or maybe like a, a business where they can find where you can come and like talk to them via your website, right? 
Yeah. If they reach out to me through my website, um, I, I'm certainly would be, would love the opportunity to talk to other groups. Like, like you could tell, I'm very passionate about this topic, about people not letting this crazy culture break them. And in order to do that, it's not just about work. It's about your body. It's about your relationships to people. It's about your joy and your spirit. So I, I will talk to anybody who will who'll listen to me about that. I love it. I love it. And then, um, there was one more thing I wanted to talk about too. And I don't know if this is something that was in the past or in the future, but I saw something, an upcoming event on your website about modeling growth mindsets while raising teens. Something I think is super important to talk about because younger generations, you know, we obviously want them to be growth minded, um, positive thinkers. Um, I have children myself that are all younger than 10 years old. You have children. Um, what is this, the, the modeling growth mindset while raising teens all about? Yeah. I, so what I love to do is to get people gathered um, who are in a similar place in life um, so that they can relate to each other in addition to hopefully relating to the content that I share with them so that they can create a community for themselves independent of coming in to listen to me or coming in to me as a client. Um, so that uh, they have people to reach out to that are of a similar mindset. And I think one of the things I've watched my daughters uh, now 25 and 23 pursuing their, their exciting careers. One of them is a kindergarten teacher who, God bless her, is doing it through Zoom this year, which I can't even imagine kindergartners uh, through video. Yeah. But, and the other is, is in LA pursuing a career as an actor. And in her career path in particular, she is open to tons and tons of rejection, right? Like it's the tiniest percentage of people make that their reality. And I so admire her for having the guts to do it. And I, you know, she has told me, and I will also pat myself on the back. I, I think that part of the reason she was positioned to be able to have thick enough skin to do that is she watched me, you know, throughout her childhood, trying to do big things. Like I have, I have self-published three books. Um, I don't think any one of them I intended to self-publish. I was, you know, contacting agents in New York city. I had big dreams and was going for it. And so they watched that process of go mom and then seeing mom get disappointed, but seeing mom get back up and keep trying. And so, you know, I find, I think it's a tricky balance. You don't want to burden your kids with your unmet goals and dreams in life because you don't want them to feel sad for you. But right. I do think it's important for them to watch you try big things because you can tell them to do that. But if you sit there and do the same old, same old all the time, they're like, mm, really? Like, should I try big things? It doesn't look like you are, you know, because they watch us more than they listen to us. And so it was important for my psyche to try these big things. And it, and I accidentally discovered that it was important for my girls to see that. I didn't, I won't tell you that it was all by design. It was because I hungered to do these things. And then I got to see how it impacted them. And, and it was a positive impact on them. And I'm, it was an added bonus that, that it worked that way. Definitely. I love that. Um, I think it's in a way just teaching that failure is okay. Like yes. pursuing, pursuing your dreams or whatever it is you're like, you have to start somewhere and yes, you're not going to just like catapult into success. And actually I have a buddy 
hopefully I'll have him on the podcast. He says that he sits down with his kids every day at the, uh, at the dinner table and he asks them, what did you fail at today? Oh. And, and if they don't, if they didn't fail at anything or if they can't think of anything, he tells them, okay, after dinner, we're going to go find something for you to fail at. Oh, that's so awesome. And not to be negative, you know, he's not trying to like, you know, psychologically like hurt them. He's just trying to show them that like through hard work, you will fail, but through failure, you're going to see how strong you are and how much more you can push and that failure is the stepping stone to success. Absolutely. And to come full circle with how we started, if success in my mind isn't even the the financial or prestige that you're one would be seeking by trying these things it's actually remember is liking your life so how do you like your life will you give yourself reasons to light your eyes up when we're in pursuit of something we are our most interesting selves if you if we were to pass on the street and you said hey shanna what's up and i wasn't trying anything right now and be like I would feel, ah, it's, you know, all right. We're just, you know, chugging along. But if you said like, oh, what have you been up to? I'm like, oh, can I, did I tell you about my screenplay? Like, again, no guarantee that will make traditional success and give me great fame and financial wealth. No, but what it has done is given me a reason to be lit up about something. And everything about my life is better when I'm lit up. I don't blow off my workouts. I have better relationships with people because I'm hopeful and I'm spunky and you know full of life. Um, everything is better when I'm trying. So it's not about actually the end result, though. Hey, let's admit it'd be nice. It's about the the what what my life is like, what my how my brain is engaged with this thing called life when I'm trying something new and different and trying to extend myself. All of that makes me successful in the way I believe we need to be successful, which is having the people, having the stimulation, having the health, having the creative joy. And out of those things that you mentioned, which one do you think is like the, the staple? Mm. You know, I'm really glad you said that because I I mean, I have my favorites, of course, but the thing is, I so passionately believe that if you leave any one of these things behind, it will derail, it will upend everything else. Like, for example, your career, your business self, if you don't deal with that, well, you wind up homeless as a, I mean, at the very extreme, right? If you don't find a way to take care of your financial needs then you, you have the most despairing life you can imagine, right? You are, if, if someone's not taking care of you, you you're, you're doomed. Your physical self, this one's the hardest with young people because let's face it, all the things, like if you look at the elders in your life and you're like, damn, they, they let it go, right? Like some people that are like looking kind of frumpy and, and, and not well, well, guess what? They, they didn't do anything different than you did when you were not, when you're eating junk food and not working out. It's just time takes that toll, right? So the, when we get that practice going now, we're preventing looking like our family tree, assuming your family tree ain't looking so good. Um, so 
if you don't deal with your health, it's eventually going to break you. It's going to bring you to your knees. If you don't deal with your relationship self, the end result is true loneliness because if you don't invest in people, they move on either emotionally or physically leave you behind because they need to connect with someone and you're not available. So if you don't maintain that, it's a deal breaker too. And I, I would argue same with joy. The thing about joy is interesting. When I look across people you know, in my, in my coaching office and I'm telling them about these four pieces of yourself and I get to joy, like so many times people look at me like, oh, really? Like joy? Like, dude, I am trying to do my job to not you know, to work out and to take care of my people. You're telling me I'm supposed to have fun too. They look at me just so incredulously. And I'm like, yes, the goal again is to not be the get off my lawn guy and you will get there. Neglect it long enough and you are resentful. You are sad. You are depressed. You can't leave any one of them behind. They're like linked to your wellness. I'm not saying you have to be spend five hours on each of them every, every week, but you better serve them in some way or, or you will be feeling the pain eventually. Yeah. And by the way, I don't even like how negative that sounded. And <laughs> I, I mean, they, they will, they, I believe truly, and I have an example, but it's too personal to my life that I, if this podcast was heard, I, I wouldn't want to hurt the person, but I, I have a very specific example that I cannot share. So what I will say instead is, leave one of these behind, you completely upend your life eventually. But practice them as a weekly commitment to work forward a tiny bit in each of these areas. And you just feel like things feel sustainable. Things feel enjoyable. You're making space for feeling good physically and for feeling connected to people and having a little fun. It's not like this is a big job. Three out of four of these, I think, make you feel instantly better. Your career, I realize, takes up such a lion's share of your time and energy that that one's hard for most people to actually feel like good about in their spirit. But the other three are absolutely adding to your life. So don't just practice this to prevent further devastation. Practice this because when you do, I promise you, if you spend one week and promise yourself to serve each of your four key areas of self to the extent that you can. You check in with me or yourself one week later, and I guarantee you, you'll feel better. 100% guaranteed. So to all of you that are listening, if you do try this, please reach out to Shanna via her website, shannamcleanmore.com. Um, and maybe you guys can have a, a more lengthy conversation on, on your growth, on your future growth and your goals. So um, I did want to ask you, because we were talking about parenting a little bit, um, and I think parenting advice is uh, unlimited because, I, I mean, parenting, there's no, there's no right way to do it, I guess you'd say. So um, I always like to get advice from people, and I'm sure there's other people who would love to hear stuff like this too. Um, what's the best parenting advice that you've been given either through, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily from someone. It could be reading or you name it, but what's the best like little piece of advice that you've been given as a parent? Ooh, you know, I'm, I'd have to say I'm a little bit rusty with all of that, but I, 
I do, um, two things come to mind. One we've pretty much already said, which was that there, it's way more about what you do than what you say. So, you know, if you, you can't expect your kid to be, um, brave and, um, and vulnerable if you aren't going to be brave and vulnerable. So everything you want your kid to be, ask yourself, are you that? Because there's really no chance they're going to, well, I guess they could completely rebuke the way they were raised and turn out to be very different. But so much of parenting is emulating what they, what was modeled for them. So before you want these things for your kids, ask yourself, am I, am I showing them that? Uh, I think that's probably the most important thing. And the second thing that I've learned is that kids are, uh, my two kids are quite different from each other. At least they were when they were younger. They're more alike now than they were then. And the whole idea is that, I don't know who, who said it, but somebody said when in a family dynamic, when one kid is born and let's say that kid's the pleaser, the other kid comes in and that role of pleaser is taken. So that kid is going to come in and feel like, okay, she's the pleaser. I'm the I want to say, hmm, let's see, what's a better way to clean that up? I'm the, I'm the boundary challenger uh, is how I'll say it. And um, one, you know, if my firstborn and secondborn were the same, I would have been the most smug, ridiculous, obnoxious parenting expert you could find because I'd say, well, just parent like me and you'll be golden. But the truth is that's because our firstborn was a pleaser. And so that will have its own issues as she grows up if, if she doesn't challenge herself on being a pleaser, but it made her really easy to raise. Yeah. Our second born is, you know, takes you no know, prisoners, is throwing elbows all the way down. And I, she was very humbling for me because I thought I had it all figured out and along comes <laughs> the tough one. And um, I, I, I regret comparing them at least in my own mind, and probably if I'm being honest, you know, probably they felt it too, or, or my youngest one felt it. It was a lot to live up to, to the pleaser when you're not a pleaser by nature. And so to allow space for your kids to be who they are individually and, 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 and recognize that both, both types and all types have their pros and cons, you know, as the younger one got older, it's like, well, I certainly don't worry about her um, being taken advantage of in this world because she's not going to stand for it. Now, that was exhausting to raise her, but guess what? Out in the world, once she's out, that's, that gives her strength that, that is going to serve her well. So all of these types of kids and, and their nuances have pros and cons. And if you can let them be who they are and, and find the way to celebrate what's good about each one of them, then they'll, they'll grow up not feeling compared and um, frankly resentful for being compared. For sure. I love that because, you know, I have young kids right now, as you know, three-year-old and a one-year-old and three-year-old, he's the pleaser. And now we have the havoc, the havoc child, um, one-year-old and she's crazy. But um, I mean, we love them both, but I love that, that, that little advice, just those two things I think are so just, they can be mind opening for, for parents. So, um, so I have a few, I know we've touched on all kinds of different stuff here. We've touched on 
action and growth mindset and, you know, the four key areas of your life that, that you need to attend to, to like your life. Um, I have just a few more questions for you. Um, I'm just going to go back to back on these questions. You can either answer these with, uh, you know, with, one one word or you know just a small little sentence but i'm just going to run through these and then we'll give you a little bit of time to to let the guests know where to reach you at so okay. are you ready yeah okay so what's one thing you'd like others to remember you at the end of your life po to be being positive okay um if you had to instill one piece of advice in a newborn baby what advice would you give vulnerability is power. Love it. Um, what do you want to achieve one year from now? I would love for multiple reasons, but to be like on, on in front of people sharing this message, because I think people are so hungry for hope right now and, and, and for, for self-care. So I, I would love to be in front of audiences live, like in seeing people in person and, and spreading the messages of hope and growth. Okay. Um, and then what, what have you learned from your biggest mistakes? Oh boy. Um, you know, I think I'm of the age where I don't really, the only mistakes I really feel like I've made is when I've hurt someone by like, I'm a person, I'm a very expressive person. I do not, I can't sit in, if I've got something to say, I'm going to say it. And I try my best to be kind about it. And this election cycle has made this extremely challenging and I haven't always been, let's just say my best version of myself. I've lost my stuff a few times. Yeah. Um, but um Oh my gosh, I digress. Can you say the question again? So um, what have you learned from your biggest oh, mistakes? Biggest mistakes. Okay, my biggest mistakes are when I use my words in a way that hurt somebody. I, that's my biggest mistake. As far as career things that didn't go my way, every dang one of those has, um, has opened me up to new possibilities. So no regrets career-wise only regrets for using my words in a way that hurt people. I can hundred percent relate to that. Cause I'm the same way. I'm kind of uh, just, I shoot it the way it is. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I wish I'd put the filter on first to just, yeah. you'll get the message across, but just a, with a little less heat. And then I also like, like what you said about the career, because I think oftentimes people can get caught up in the moment and, you know, uh, the emotions of maybe negativity around the career, not knowing what's coming next for them. Yeah. Uh, I think that's just, I, yeah. I love that because that's, I think a lot of people reason that they don't take the action is because of that fear of the unknown. Right. So I like that. What you said is that any, any mistakes in your career always came to like new opportunities. I love that. Yeah. You know, I look at my dad, my dad was an attorney and worked in the same law firm for like 50 years and, and he thrived there, did great, was happy with it. But to me, nothing feels more suffocating than being in the same thing forever. I like that 
nowadays people seem to ch to switch jobs every three five years. Well, I, I think that just makes your life more vibrant and and new again, and I think that's healthy. I agree a thousand percent. There's a lot of people out there that would disagree, um, especially the you know more old fashioned older generation. But um, yes, I a hundred percent agree. And then last question for you is what what actually it's kind of a two-part question what book are you reading right now if any and what book has brought you the most inspiration in your life oh boy um well as no surprise my all my all the Brene brown books daring greatly the power of vulnerability no the power of imperfections and one other one on vulnerability I, Brene brown to me is the gatekeeper to growth. She is all about um, teaching people that any connection you hunger for in your, in your personal life and any growth you hunger for in your business as a business and as an individual in the business is 100% tied to your ability to have real honest conversations and, and open yourself up. And that is the only way you're gonna get what you want. Um, so Brene Brown is my, my number one guru. Right now I'm reading Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. And I, uh, it's funny, when I was young, I never would have wanted to embrace thinking like a monk, but here I am in my 50s mm -hmm. and living in 2020. And I'm like, yes, indeed, I want to think like a monk. I want to get a little more quiet, a little more um, centered um, and just keep my values in, a, in the healthy zone. So I'm appreciating that read right now. Definitely, I love uh, I love Jay Shetty. He's a good motivational speaker. Um, I've I've listened to a bunch of his content, and yes, I agree with you 100. Is there's just so much going on outside of life, and when you have a family and you know connections to maintain and everything, it can just get so distracting and just centering and just like being still in your mind is I feel like so important. Yes. But um. Okay, so um, we did mention your website. If you want to mention that again, you're more than welcome to, but how can people reach out to you if they'd like to talk to you? Yes, through my website, shannonmcclainmore.com, on LinkedIn, Shanna McLean Moore, on Facebook, Shanna McLean Moore, and Instagram kind of messed up, Shanna Moore McLean, um, reverse, but any one of those would be great. And I'm super grateful, Zane, for the opportunity to talk with you every time. I love how curious you are and on your quest for growth always. So our conversations are always nice and meaty. I love it. And I'm so happy for you to have this new venture. It's super exciting. And I can't wait to hear your subsequent episodes. Awesome. I appreciate it. And you're dear to my heart because you were my first ever life coach. And you're especially dear to my heart again, because you're my first ever episode. So I, I appreciate everything um, that you've talked about today. I know for a fact, the people that do listen to this um, will take some good gold nuggets as they call them um, and apply them to their lives. And I hope and pray that everybody that does listen to this and needs that step forward, that accountability, um, that focus in their life, that you reach out to Shanna. She's a great person to work with, uh, men or women. So um, Shanna, thank you so much. And I know for a fact, we'll be talking soon in the future. Awesome. Thanks again, Zane. Take All right. Care. Take care. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.